Life Experienced will begin right after this. Life is made up of experiences. Experiences shape our perspectives and allow us to pass along knowledge. In this podcast, I sit down with listeners like you and find out that no matter who you are, everyone has a story to tell. I'm Ethan Smith, and this is Life Experienced. As a child, when I saw a hurt dog laying beside the road, I always told my mom, I want to make that dog better. And um, so as a child, I was raised in a kind of a poor environment. People didn't take their animals to the veterinarian. And, um, and we had a little dog, and she went into these convulsions, and we drove 30 miles to the veterinarian. And so we went in with a dog that was not able to walk, and the veterinarian gave this shot, and the dog jumped off the table and was healed. And I'm like, it's sealed, sign sealed. That was Donna McLam. Donna has now been a doctor of veterinary medicine for 30 years, 25 of which she has spent running her own practice in Dobson, North Carolina. Since a lot can happen between witnessing vet medicine on a childhood dog and pursuing a degree, I asked Donna to describe her path to becoming a veterinarian. So what, what did you do after that, kind of your steps toward becoming a veterinarian? Okay, so like uh, me and another 3,000 people said we wanted to grow up and be a veterinarian in 1979. And they only accept a few people into veterinary school. So... Um, First of all, I said, well, I'll need to go to NC State because there's only 34 veterinary schools. And NC State has one. Um, Go pack. And they didn't have one. So um, because the first veterinary school had not been opened in Raleigh until 1983, I believe it was. And so I started school in 1979. And, um, and, well, first of all, backing up in high school, my – advisor said hey you'll never get into nc state you need to go to east carolina i'm like booyah and i got into nc state and then she told me you'll never be a veterinarian and so i went to nc state and they told me i would never be a veterinarian and animal science department so i was like after people tell you for long enough you kind of believe them so i said i'll never be a veterinarian and um so then i went and got my poultry science degree and i decided I don't know what to do with it. And my husband told me, he goes, listen, um, you've always wanted to be a veterinarian. You'll never forgive yourself if you don't try. And so I said, like, okay, all right, all right. So he helped me fill out the application. And we sent it in. And I didn't get in. I was 74 out of 72 they accepted. And, um, and But I worked at the vet school. So I'd go in every day, and I'd go by the acceptance office, and I'd go, am I in? She'd go, no. I'd say, oh, okay. So I'd go to work in the poultry science department. And then I went by one day, and she says, one person's dropped out. You're now, you know, 73. Oh, gosh, oh, gosh, gosh. And so then then it went on, and then another week later I went in, and she says, you're in. And I was, like, so ecstatic, you know. But, like, there's a little bit of a stigmatism being, like, an alternate getting in, you know. Like, maybe I'm not good enough. So I tried real, real, real hard. And it was God's will because, like, I got all these accolades and all these awards when I was a senior and I graduated, like, top of my class. Not the top, but not 70, <laughs> 72. This was the late 1980s when the majority of veterinary practices were owned by male veterinarians. 
Without the funds to start her own practice, Donna set out with degree in hand to find her first job in the field. So what, what was it like uh, when you first graduated with your veterinary degree? You're a doctor of veterinary medicine. What did you do? Okay, well, first of all, I want to be in a mixed animal practice. That means I'm going to work on horses, cows, dogs, cats, llamas, sheep, pigs, anything that, you know, that's an animal. And in North Carolina, there was only like three job offerings, one in um, Lumberton, one in Yakinville, and one in Ashe County. And um, so I went to Lumberton, and it was an older gentleman, and he wanted to hire me and um, for $22,000 a year. And I'd been in school for eight years and like oh my gosh and so then I went to Ash County and um they're not used to female veterinarians these are all guys and um so I went and interviewed with him and so I had to interview I'm standing there and I'm ready to go out and work on horses and cows with him and they have what they call a clinic cat and that means a cat that lives in the hospital and walks around and so when I went to interview I would always wear very moderate uh, modest clothes and so I would wear a real long skirt and then um, a lab coat, and this cat saw my skirt swaying, and like the cat reached up and clawed me on my derriere, and I didn't get the job because the cat didn't like me, but because I screamed because like the, I didn't pass the cat's test, so I didn't get that one. And then I went to Dr. Holt, and he was like, he saw what I could do. He didn't have a clinic cat, so he saw what I could do, and he said, hey, come work with me. And so I was working with him for four years, and I'd work 16 hours days. We did C-section on cattle. We work on horses, cows, everything. He trained me so well. After working under an established vet for four years and developing her skills, Donna still wanted to fulfill her childhood dream of owning her own veterinary practice. All she needed now was a place to start the clinic and the funds to make it happen. Okay, so you said you worked there for four years, mm -hmm. and then, so what happened after that? Then I wanted to go back home, which is Benson, to start a veterinary practice there. And it wasn't God's will because um, we tried to sell our home and it didn't sell. So uh, we tried and tried. And I worked in Yadkin County for uh, four years and working all night, 16 hours a day. And, and I would go over to Surrey County and I worked on horses and cows there. And someone said, why don't you just come over to Surrey County because we know that you can do well. Um, because there was a competitive agreement with veterinarians like I couldn't work in Yadkin County uh, when I signed that contract for like a year. So like we opened the practice in August and then in, um, in July or August and then in September the house sold. So it's just God's will again for me to be in Surrey County. Kind of cool. Yeah. So I guess what what do you remember what year was this sorry yeah that's 93 yeah okay so 1993 how much did it cost to start a veterinary practice oh man like so I go to five banks people didn't I don't know what business is I go to five banks and I go I want $75,000 start a veterinary practice and I had what was a business plan and they don't teach in vet school back then what to do so I just put this together and said I'm a hard worker I can do this I've done it before and I went to five banks and the banker said yeah people don't do this I'm like okay well what can you do and so I had like two banks said they would give me money and so they gave me $75,000 and um and then so I opened a practice good enough <laughs> and exactly. is this the practice that you're still at currently? yes cur yeah okay. I've been in it 25 years okay. uh, we started in a modular and um 
And the first time a client walked into the door, I was so nervous talking to him. It's my first client. I'm talking to him. I'm holding a pen, I, pencil. I break the pencil in front of him. And it was so embarrassing. <laughs> uh, well, I hope, hopefully you sent them away happy. <laughs> yes, they're still, they're still my clients. Okay, well, good enough. <laughs> There's a success right there. Both Surrey and Yadkin counties in North Carolina have above average amounts of agricultural output, so there were plenty of opportunities for Donna to treat large livestock in addition to domestic animals. I asked Donna about the varying types of care she has given over the years. You Do you still do, obviously, a mix of animals? Is that something? No, that... my goal was to do large animals until I was 50. I'm now 57, so I don't do horses and cows any longer. I just do dogs and cats. And, um, but I, I miss it, um, uh, to a certain degree, except for two o'clock in the morning when doing a C-section on a cow, like I enjoyed that when I was 30, but at 57, I like sleeping at two o'clock in the morning. Sure. <laughs> so how often did things like that happen? Emergency calls and things like okay, that? Okay. Every night. That's why I would work 16 hours a day. And so I... It, it was every night that I would get called sometime between six and the next morning to do something. Do you recall any of those experiences that were particularly... Uh, the coolest <laughs> experience. So, of course, we didn't move back home to open the practice. So there's no family, and I have three children. And so they call me at 11 that a cow's in labor. And they tell me, uh, you know, can you come out? And I said, okay. So we have to drive 20 minutes there. Well, I don't have a babysitter. It happened to be my mom was staying with us that weekend and I said, Mom, I'm going to leave the three kids with you because I took my husband with me to help me with the C-section. So we pack up everything from the clinic, drive the 20 miles, go to this person's farm. And um, this little cow, she, she was so cute. And so with a cow, you don't, they don't lay down. You just give them a little medicine. They stand right there while you do the little C-section. You cut their side. You take the calf out. You sew them up. And then they named the calf after me. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So what do you think has been your favorite part of it over the years in the 30 the years that diversity. you're diversity. Oh hmm? my goodness. Yes. Do you want to elaborate on that? Just the. I mean, like this morning I woke up and I went to work and I was a dentist. Then I was an oncologist. And then I was a psychologist. And then I was, oh no, a preventative practice veterinarian. And that happened in three hours. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Did you have any idea when you were in vet school that they teach you about this, that you would have to be all of these things? Or When you're in vet school, you like when I went back to vet school, you learned it all. Horses, cows, dogs, cats, whatever. You learned it all. Now they specialize, which is fine. So that's why, like, any time I was taking a class, like, this is a big word called theriogenology. That just means reproductive. I wanted to grow up and be a theriogenologist. Then the next, then three weeks later, I took another class you know, clinical, and it would be cardiology. I want to grow and be a cardiologist. So then you take another one, it's dentistry. Then I want to be a dentist. This is a veterinary dentist. And so then I took small animal surgery. I want to be a small surgeon. So when you get finished with 12 months of that and you get out and you do a mixed animal practice, you're doing all of it. Okay. So it's kind of cool. So you do have some experience in a lot of the, a lot of those areas. Okay. That's great. So <clears throat> what I know, I think you mentioned earlier that you've enjoyed working with with cows over the years but is there another is there a favorite animal that you have ones that is don't that bite ones that don't bite okay i don't like teeth they hurt okay i think it's mental though but like a lot of people get bit and get over it i don't like teeth 
Veterinary medicine is still a changing and expanding field, so I asked Donna what advice she would give to aspiring veterinarians, besides, of course, to avoid the biting animals. So what, what advice would you give to someone who wants to do that now, who wants to become a veterinarian now? Uh, you know, of course, you need to go work in a veterinary hospital. I have a lot of people come work for me. They work maybe a month, and then they find out they don't want to be a veterinarian. It's very, um, it's very time-consuming. You go to school for eight years. Uh, it's very competitive. It's hard to get in veterinary school. Um, but it's well worth it if your passion's there, and you've got to have a passion. And I think if the Lord's leading you in that direction, you will know it. Okay. Over the last 30 years, Donna has been able to fulfill her dream of healing animals. While she is not always able to save every animal that comes to her clinic, she has impacted the lives of many people over the years with her level of care and kind-hearted attitude. Her legacy as a veterinarian is sure to continue for many years. Life Experienced is hosted and produced by Ethan D. Smith and is primarily distributed via D-Sound, a decentralized audio sharing platform built on the Steam blockchain. For more information, visit dsound.audio. The music in this podcast is composed by Lee Rosevere and used under Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. For more information, visit freemusicarchive.org. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you like the podcast, be sure to share it with others. If you have an interesting experience that you want to share, please let me know by tweeting at Ethan D. Smith or visiting EthanDSmith.com. And for those of you still here, there was one other animal that Donna has had interesting experiences with over the years. So besides cows and horses, are there any other kind of animals that you've remember having deal with i know that you've mentioned i know that a lot of people are starting to keep more exotic animals in this area so so when i started in 93 for my own practice i would like i would work on any animal like and then um rj reynolds uh there was a lot of people who worked there and they would take their money and they would buy they would buy ostriches because there was supposed to be this cool thing where ostrich egg was worth a thousand dollars a little baby ostrich was nine thousand an adult ostrich was 35000 So they would take their life savings and buy ostriches. So I went to school, back to school, to learn how to take care of ostriches. Ostriches weigh 400 pounds, and they have a walnut-sized brain, so they're not very smart. So when I go out there, I'm working on them, and they, the male ostriches protect the eggs, and they have a claw that would actually eviscerate you, if, uh, which means to tear your guts out, if they were to kick at you. So you have to learn how to handle them. But they have bird brains, so all you got to do is get a sock over their head, and then that 400 pounds you're fine with, no problem. So there was a learning curve, and I learned that. But the birds were not very smart. The, like, the bird that cost $35,000, I do remember being called to come out there because she was just got bought from Florida, and she was running along the fence, and she de- decapitated herself. So there was $35,000 bird laying there dead. Why did they price it $35,000? The ploy or the information was that that bird could lay 35 eggs, and those 35 eggs were each worth $1,000. That's why that bird was worth that much. 
The other thing, in Surrey County, we have something called fescue grass. A bird that's never seen fescue grass, such as an ostrich, they're very curious. And so what did they do? They eat until they impacted their craw. So there was a lot of us veterinarians that had to do surgery on these ostriches. Okay, so they paid $9,000 for a baby ostrich, and then that baby has never seen grass before like that and eats it until he becomes impacted and he has to have surgery. And so a lot of them insured them. There were these farmers that were from R.J. Reynolds. That's what they did for the daytime. And then now they have all these birds that us veterinarians, well, only me because I was the only ostrich vet, that had to try to save them. That was, a, that was a learning curve. So you were removing excess amounts of grass from Surgically. baby ostriches. That cost $9,000. That cost $9,000. So I guess the moral of the story there is don't don't invest in something that's alive, perhaps. In 30 years of work, I love you, Ethan, because that's something I say. If it if it breathes like an animal, and you, and you like it's a gamble. Like if you're going to spend money on that animal, you may that animal may die. So make sure that you that that is disposable income. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And once again, I'm Ethan Smith, reminding you to get out there and experience life.